0: Om namo bhagavate
1: Vāsudevāya namo
2: namo bhagavate vasudevaaya
0: karichid rajaan puuman veda ra yukta Muyanti kavayopiha piasya karitchid Rajam Puman Veda Bihitsitam Yadvij Yadvijasaya Yupta Muyanti Kava Yopihi O King <coughs> No one can know the plan of the Lord Shri Krishna. Even though great philosophers inquire exhaustively, they are bewildered, Purport by His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada. The bewilderment of Maharaj Yudhisthira over his past sinful acts, his, the resultant sufferings, etc., is completely negated by the great authority Bhishma one of the twelve authorized persons. Bhishma wanted to impress upon Maharaj Yudhisthira that since time immemorial, no one, including such demigods as Shiva and Brahma, could ascertain the real plan of the Lord. So what can we understand about it? It is useless also to inquire about it. Even the exhaustive philosophical inquiries of sages cannot ascertain the plan of the Lord. The best policy is simply to abide by the orders of the Lord without argument. The sufferings of the Pandavas were never due to their past deeds. The Lord had to execute the plan of establishing the kingdom of virtue and therefore his own devotees suffered temporarily in order to establish the conquest of virtue. Bhishma Dev was certainly satisfied by seeing the triumph of virtue, and he was glad to see King Yudhisthira on the throne, although he himself fought against him. Even a great fighter like Bhishma could not win the battle of Kurukshetra, because the Lord wanted to show that vice cannot conquer virtue, regardless of who tries to execute it. Bhishma Dev was a great devotee of the Lord. But he chose to fight against the Pandavas by the will of the Lord because the Lord wanted to show that a fighter like Bhishma cannot win on the wrong side. Can everyone hear in the back? Yes?
1: Can everybody listen properly? (coughs)
0: O King, no one can know the plan of the Lord, Shri Krishna. Even though great philosophers inquire exhaustively, they
2: are bewildered.
0: the battle of Kurukshetra is often seen to be a great mystery how is it that Bhishma who is one of the twelve Mahajans one of the supreme authorities of devotion to Krishna why is he fighting On the side of Adharma. Why did he not choose to fight on the side of Maharaj Yudhisthira? Yudhisthira Maharaj and his four brothers were pure devotees who would surrender their body, mind, words, and lives in the service of the Lord. Duryodhana, although he was a very great politician and a very formidable warrior, all of his good qualities were utterly exhausted by the presence of envy in his heart, envy of great souls and greed for that which was not meant for himself. Time and time again we find in the scriptures that anyone who envies a great soul, eventually all that person's good qualities and all his fortune is vanquished in fact there is no offense that the Lord takes so seriously as envy toward his pure devotees if you fall down to illicit sex if you take intoxication If you eat meat, if you begin to gamble, if you do all abominable things, you will have to suffer the consequences, there is no doubt. But all of these things combined is not as unpalatable in the eyes of God as someone who is envious and discourteous toward his devotee. The Lord can forgive any offense you commit, but He will not forgive an offense to His devotee. The only possible rescue to save yourself from such an offense is you must gain the forgiveness of that devotee. At that time, the Lord will agree to be kind upon you. So why Maharaj Bhishma Who's the greatest devotee? Whose heart is filled with unmotivated, uninterrupting love for Lord Sri Krishna? Who is one of the twelve Mahajans that everyone must follow to understand how to perform devotion to Krishna? Why would such a great, celebrated personality like this? take the side of Duryodhana who was not only envious of the Pandavas, not only constantly committing offenses and discourteous to the Pandavas, not only did he greedily usurp what belonged to the Pandavas, but on several occasions he tried to kill the Pandavas. Krishna had to supersede on several occasions to save them from the greed and the wrath of Duryodhana. And Bhishma, more than any other man on earth, knew exactly the mentality of Duryodhana and Dhritarashtra. Time and time again he tried to give them good instruction. Do you know that your envy against the Pandava brothers, it is like kindling the fire within your heart, which is about to burn to ashes all of your good qualities, all your fortune, even your duration of life. But despite so much good counseling by great souls like Vidura and Bhishma, even Lord Śrī Krishna Himself begged and pleaded with the Kurus, be reasonable, be humane, give them a little land, something, just as a gesture that you have some affection, some respect for them. Duryodhana replied, I will not give them enough to stick the, pin of the head of the pin through. He tried to burn them to death in the house of Arnataka. He fed Bhima poison. And after Bhima was apparently killed, Duryodhana threw him in the Ganges thinking he was dead, poisoned and drowned. Why in the world would Bhishma want to take the side and fight and give his life on the side of irreligion? Since time immemorial this has been a very perplexing and bewildering question. Many people say he was obliged to do so because, after all, he was a servant of the Kuru dynasty and he was accepting his room, his board and everything he had from Dhritarashtra and Duryodhana. So socially he was obliged. Just like it is said in English, do not bite the hand that feeds you. So some people have that explanation. That it was not polite for him to bite the hand that was feeding him for so many long years. But do you think such a great soul as Bhishma is afraid of going against such superficial principles of social morality at the cost of shooting arrows into the pure devotees of the Lord? So on a very external, superficial level, that is true. He fought on the side of the kurus because he was obliged to them socially. But internally, the reason was that Bhishma was a completely surrendered soul. He had no ambition other than the pleasure of Krishna. He had no false ego. He was completely pure. His only motivation was to execute the will of God. Therefore, although Bhishma knew for all time to come he would be criticized and misunderstood for taking the wrong side, he did not care at all for his own reputation. He knew that Krishna had a plan. And Krishna revealed this plan to him from within his heart. Krishna wanted to show that anyone who is not on the side of God will be vanquished. And this is the most important instruction for all humanity. Why? Because on this earth, as well as in the heavens and in the hells, everyone is attached to being the doer of their activities. Krishna says in Gita, prakriti gunai karamani ahankara vimutatma itimanyate. The bewildered soul considers himself to be the doer of his activities, but in actuality they are carried out by nature. You see, we are completely dependent on the mercy of God at all times. If you think that you can be a success in life by your endeavors, then you are fool number one. And 99.999% of this world's population is fool number one. How many people in this congregation today admit that they're fool number one? Raise your hand. Raise it high if you really believe it. As a matter of fact, raise both arms if you truly believe it. How many people do not think that they're fool number one? I'll even give you a little. How many think you're fool number two? (laughs) It is a fact, we are all fools. When we look and examine our hearts, we are all thinking that by my expertise, I will accomplish things in this world. And the more expertise you have, the more you are prone to think in this illusion. Queen Kunti has prayed, Jan Mai, Swaraya, that those who have material opulences, those who have a very good education, who have good wealth, who have bodily beauty and strength and who have a high birth, they are the most disqualified for spiritual life because their tendency is they are thinking that by my opulence I am accomplishing things in this world. I will overcome the problems of this world. And they become proud. And in this state of pride, they cannot helplessly cry out for the mercy of Krishna. When we have a good education, PhD, MA, we are thinking, oh, now I am very learned. I am more learned than practically anyone else around. Now I can deal with this world. I can solve the problems of life. I could provide for myself. I am a self-made man. I've started with nothing and now look at me. I have a Mercedes Benz and I live in a nice flat that costs so many crores of rupees. And I am very much respected by everyone and I have done it myself you say that to a devotee and what will he say to you? He will say excuse me my dear sir, you may be very great in the estimation of fools and rascals but in my eyes you are fool number one (laughs) huh? Sometimes we are not so blunt, but that's what we think in our heart. (laughs) It is a fact. Therefore, Bhishma was the most highly qualified man in the entire universe. Not only on this earth, but in the universe there was no person alive more learned than Bhishma. When he was a young boy, his mother Ganga had him educated by Brihaspati himself, the spiritual master of the Devatas. And Brihaspati awarded him the title of his most learned student. As far as his skill, People are very proud when they can perform their occupation very expertly. Just like if a doctor is a very excellent surgeon, he thinks, I am a very good surgeon. Ah, See my credentials. Or if a businessman is very shrewd and very careful to be able to um, defeat all his competitors, he is very proud. If a politician is able to through all types of political manipulation, destroy his opponents, he is considered very great. If an athlete can somehow or other conquer all his opponents, he is considered very, very important within society. Bhishma, in his field of occupation as a warrior, He was trained by Parasuram, the incarnation of the Lord Himself. We can never estimate the glory of Bhishma. In fact, at one time, when Parasuram ordered Bhishma to marry, he refused. So Parasuram said, you cannot disrespect the order of your guru. Either you marry her or you fight with me. Bhishma said, with all humility, Guru Maharaj, I will fight with you. (laughs) So there was a fight. It lasted for many, many days. And they were both fighting with all their strength. Understand, this is the Parasuram that destroyed 21 generations of all the Ksachryas on earth. Effortlessly There was not a single contestant. When he would go against the kings and the armies, it explained that with his axe in his hand, he was fighting with the speed of the mind. And there were literally millions and millions of dead, mutilated bodies a moment being devoured by his informidable axe. Ah, And it said when he got tired, he slowed down to the speed of the wind. This was the power of Parasuram. And yet he imparted all of his secrets and all of his mercy upon Bhishma to the extent that when they had a fight, they were both fighting as hard as they could and neither one could defeat the other. Finally, Bhishma, simply out of respect, said, All right, Guru Maharaj, you have won. And Parasuram was so proud that he was the greatest, most powerful warrior in all the universe that he embraced Bhishma with tears in his eyes and he said, I am most proud of you today. There is no one so glorious as you. He was the most learned. He was the most powerful he was the most virtuous, pious in every respect. He was the most glorious man on earth. Therefore, because he had such a uniquely elevated position, Krishna wanted to show the extreme example. And therefore, he had to choose Bhishma to be the one to set this example. What was the example? That however great you are, if you are not devoted in the service of God, if you are against the will of God, you will be vanquished. Therefore, the Lord wanted Bhishma, who had all the material skills. He could have personally single-handedly destroyed the whole Pandava army. In one day, he destroyed half the army. Duryodhana one time he said Dev, you are not fighting very hard you, are, you have a soft corner for the Pandavas therefore you're not really fighting what kind of a nonsense kshatriya are you? A kshatriya is supposed to be chivalrous and heroic and fight and give his life he can't be political on the battlefield and Bhishma was insulted he said, alright, tomorrow I will fight hard And that next day, he destroyed, he devastated half the army. Single-handedly. And the Pandavas just had to stand there watching. There was no use even trying to fight him. It was like trying to stop a cyclone with a bow and an arrow. This was the power and strength of Vishma. And the next day, the Pandavas knew the rest of the army would be defeated. Therefore, along with Krishna, they had to approach Bhishma and beg humbly, please tell us how to kill you, otherwise there's no way we can possibly win this war. And Bhishma had to tell them how he could be killed. With great happiness. So try to understand that however great you may think you are, If you are not living according to the will of God, you will be destroyed. All your fortune will be vanquished. Who are you compared to Bhishma? Therefore, this is Krishna's example. And Bhishma is such a surrendered and pure-hearted soul that just so Krishna could teach this lesson to all humanity, he agreed to be on the side of this wicked-hearted, envious He was willing to accept all the criticism and infamy and all the misunderstanding that practically 99% of the population they cannot understand why Bhishma did it. He was willing to be completely misunderstood and criticized to fulfill the will of God. That is the quality of his surrender. Therefore, when a devotee hears how Bhishma took the sides of Duryodhana. He is not bewildered. He is not thinking, why Bhishma is doing like that? Tears come to his eyes. He's thinking, what a glory. How much he's willing to sacrifice of his own prestige simply to show compassion to humanity. It was topmost compassionate offering to all of humankind. He was willing to be the sacrificial lamb and even be killed to give us the most important instruction of our life that however great you are whoever you are if you are against God you are destroyed Therefore it is said in Bhagavatam Athapum virdhvi shrami sam that whatever your occupation, it should be executed for one purpose and one purpose alone. To please Krishna. If Krishna wants you on the wrong side, if that's what pleases Him, that is my life and soul. Here Bhishma is explaining that no one can understand the plan of Lord Shri Krishna. Even the greatest philosophers, they inquire exhaustively and they are bewildered. Try to understand how much Lord Krishna is misunderstood. Because factually, unless you hear the knowledge of the Shastra from a bona fide spiritual master, you cannot understand what's taking place. Unless we understand from the lips of a great soul, or those who are representing the great souls, why Bhishma is taking the side of Duryodhana, you will be bewildered. Tad vijyanar eva abhigach If you try to understand any of the scriptures without the purport of the great souls, without the guidance and training of the great devotees, you will be bewildered. You will never understand. How many people have such a perverted and misinterpreted understanding of Krishna, who is God Himself, Bhagavan, Paramatma? Especially here in India. India is the place of Krishna. It is Bharat Bhumi. And even here Krishna is so highly misunderstood. Oh, Krishna, why was he so political? And why is he dancing with gopis, other men's wives? They do not understand. Factually, Krishna never really danced with anybody else's wife. But at the same time, he did. <laughs> ah. Can you understand that? Srimati Radharani was simultaneously his wife and not his wife. Now, how many people here simultaneously have a wife and not a wife? (laughs) (laughs) Is it possible? And all the gopis were simultaneously Krishna's wives and not his wives. How is that possible? People criticize Krishna because they do not understand what's going on in the middle of the night with gopis but there's a, there's a story which explains very nicely we sing Radha Radhavara. what does that mean Radhavara. Ah. Ah. means the husband of Radha consort of Radha and yet they were experienced what is called parakiyaras parakiyaras means they were not married and yet we call her sometimes his wife Ah. do you know the story? It is described that when Lord Shri Krishna was very small, only about four years old, he was walking through the pastoring grounds with his father Nanda Maharaj. Is everybody awake? He was going to get the cows and clouds formed in the sky Ah, and it began to rain. So Nanda Maharaj was thinking, oh, my little child Krishna, he may get sick. Nanda Maharaj was thinking Krishna was his little boy. Not knowing that out of fear of him, the clouds are coming. And out of fear of him, the rain falls. Out of fear of him, the sun shines. But he's thinking that my helpless little boy will get sick if I do not somehow or other get him out of this rain. It was about to rain. At the same time, there were so many cows and Nanda Maharaj had to bring all the cows. At that time, he did not want Krishna to be alone. So he saw Srimati Radharani. She was also just a tiny little girl. She was walking. So, Nanda Maharaj called for Sri Radhika. And he said, Sri Radha, please go with Krishna and go home with him. Keep each other company. She said, yes, yes. So two little children, they took each other by the hands and they began to walk. This took place at a place in Vrindavan called Bandiravan. And they walked to the bank of the Jamuna. And there's a beautiful tree there, which is called Bandiravat. And there, Sri Sri Radha and Krishna, they looked at each other. And as they looked at each other, they began to smile. And just at that time, some of these Sakis, the intimate maidservants of Sri Radharani, They appeared on the scene. And then Radha and Krishna both inconceivably grew to 16 years old. Huh? Can you do like that? In this world, everyone that's young wants to be old and everyone that's old wants to be young. Correct? And there's nothing you can do about it. Children are thinking, why do I have to go to school? I want to grow up so I don't have to go to school. But they can't do it. They have to wait for time to take its course. And after you're out of school and you're starting to grow old and your limbs are starting to deteriorate and you have so many responsibilities and bills and crazy children all around you, you're thinking, why can't I be young again and go back to school? But I can't. There's nothing I can do. But Krishna is surat, he is completely independent. So Radha and Krishna, simply by their desire, they became 16 years old. At that time, Lord Brahma appeared on the scene. As did Lord Shiva, as did Narada Muni, and many other great sages and demigods. and there was a beautiful wedding ceremony performed. The head priest was Lord Brahma himself. He chanted all the sacred mantras, he performed the Agnihotra, and then Sri Radha and Govindaji, they exchanged garlands and they were officially and formally married. It is called a Gandharva-style marriage And then after the wedding was performed, the demigods offered their obeisances to Radha and Krishna. Everyone left. Radha and Krishna were standing there, looking at each other, smiling. And then once again, they transformed into four-year-old little children. They said, please do not tell anyone about this. And then they both, they both went back home and nobody ever knew. Now you tell me this. If Lord Brahma comes to perform your wedding ceremony and Lord Shiva and Lord Narada Muni are the witnesses, do you consider that marriage is authorized? Huh? Of course. But because it was not with the parents' permission... And because no one knew, socially they were not married. But at the same time they were. So, therefore, when Krishna was dancing with Sri Radharani, there was that feeling of parakiyaras. But at the same time, within their hearts, they understood something different. Now, how did that Parakya ras, how sacred and sanctified that Parakya ras is? Do you know Radha and Krishna were almost married socially too? All arrangements were being made. There's a story about that also. One time there was a festival in Nandagram and Mother Jashoda invited Sri Radharani to cook for Lord Krishna. Because she had attained the benediction of Duravas Muni, that anything she cooked would be sweeter than nectar, and anyone who would eat it would never get diseased. So it was on the banks of a place called Pavansrovar that Srimati Radharani would cook for Krishna. And Mother Yashoda would assist her. And one day, Mother Yashoda was looking at Sri Radharani, thinking, just the beauty of this little child, her eyes like fully-blossomed lotus flowers, and her every limb is like a lotus flower, and she has such magnanimous, virtuous, effulgent, good qualities. There is no one else in the entire creation that has the beauty and the glory of Sri Radhika. She should marry my Krishna. There's no one else that's that's possibly qualified for Krishna. I want her to marry, but they're so young, they're not at an any marriageable age. And she was thinking like this. And then the next time Srimati Radharani came to assist her in her cooking, Mother Yashoda was so overwhelmed with love for this child and love for Krishna, she wanted to bring them together, that she just took Radharani's hand and took the turmeric paste and started painting all these designs on her hand. And Radharani was looking like, what is she doing? Because in the original traditional culture, this turmeric paste is never put on the hands of a girl unless she is betrothed to be married. When the husband, or when the father and mother of both a boy and girl agree and officially, formally set a date for a marriage, at that time, the girl has this turmeric paste put on her hands. So Shri Mati Radharani was just looking at Mother Yashoda with amazement, like, what are you doing? But she couldn't say anything because she was very shy. So then it was time for her to go home, and she was thinking, my God, what are my parents going to think? What are all the people in Barasana, all the residents, what are they going to think? My parents do not know anything about this. Nobody knows anything about this. This is a scandal.
2: <laughs>
0: so on the way to Barasana she went to a little kund which is a very famous place today it is called Pili Pokar and there she decided i have to get all this yellow off my hands <laughs> and she began to scrub and scrub and scrub and wash in the in the Pili Pokar until all the yellow went into the water huh and the water turned yellow and to this day the water is yellow. Commemorating this glorious Leela of Sri Radharani. Huh? So then after her hands were nice and golden again instead of yellow, she went home to the house of King Brishabhanu and Rani. Meanwhile the townspeople they saw that all the yellow, all the all the water turned yellow. And you know, everyone in Barasana was only thinking about how to bring Radha to Krishna. And everyone in Nandagram was always thinking about how to bring Krishna to Sri Radha. So immediately they could understand what had taken place. That Mother Yashoda painted her hands with turmeric and she washed them off. And they were all celebrating, Jai Ho, Radharani is going to marry Krishna. And then they went to mother, to mother Kirtida and King Brishabhanu and told them the good news. Do you know that Radharani, her pans were painted with turmeric? The, the evidence is, look at this, piti Pokar, the yellow water. She is to be married to Lord Krishna. And King Brishabhanu and Kirtida, they were so much in ecstasy, they began to chant, Hari, Hari, Radhe Sham, radei Sham. It was the fulfillment of all their desires. And a big festival came about. And they said, let us send some gifts to Nanda Maharaj and Jashodamai to show that we are confirming their desire. So they got the best jewels and pearls in their house. And they put them on a beautiful golden plate and sent a royal courier to Nanda So this royal courier came beautiful pearls and jewels and Nanda Maharaj and Yashoda when they heard about this that this is to confirm our willingness to marry Shri Radhika to Lord Sri Krishna Nanda and Yashoda were in too much ecstasy they raised their arms and began to chant Radhe Sham, Radhe Sham Jai Jai Sri Radhe And when all the bridge in the heard that the marriage was to take place, they were all overwhelmed with happiness. They all raised their arms and began to chant Jai Jai Sri Radhe Mother Yashoda, Nanda Maharaj began to think, my God look at these beautiful pearls we have to send them something also as a gift but what can we give them? These pearls and jewels are so valuable, we have nothing with our entire Braja community that compares to this, this is an embarrassment we should send them something equal to or better so they were feeling very bad, they were embarrassed At that time, there were so many guests coming to offer their best wishes and their congratulations that they had to go out and greet the guests. At that time, Lord Krishna took the pearls and the jewels, and he went out into the pasture grounds, and then he went into the agricultural fields, and he was thinking that my parents, they want nice jewels better than these, so... I have seen my father he takes the grains and the rice and puts them in the ground and so many grains come
2: <laughs>
0: so he began to dig holes in the ground deep into the ground and he started bearing all the jewels and pearls thinking they will grow <laughs> what is the problem? we are bridge we know how to deal with these matters <laughs> so then after some time he showed And Nanda Maharaj, they come back into the room. Where are the pearls? Where are the jewels? My God! They began to look everywhere, in all directions. They could not find it. Then they realized somebody must have taken them. And in all of Nanda Gram, there is only one person who would do such a thing as stealing (laughs) jewels and pearls. And that happens to be our son, Gopal. He is infamous as muck and chore. He'll steal anything. Now, because these were so valuable, and this was a very delicate situation. They brought Gopal. Come, come here. Have some nice um, sandesh and some pera and some rabri and some nice foodstuffs. Now did you happen to take those jewels and
2: pearls?
0: (laughs) And he said, yes, of course I did. Can you please kindly tell us where they are? (laughs) He said, I buried them in the ground. (laughs) He buried them in the ground, why? Because I know you want to give a gift to Vrishabhanu Maharaj, so we we little sprouts started coming out of the ground little tiny sprouts and then it began to grow into a little plant and then it growed into a little sibling of a tree and then it became a full tree and before their eyes the tree began to fructify with thousands and thousands of most beautiful pearls and jewels Nanda Maharaj was struck with wonder. They were thinking, ah, now we can send a nice gift to Sri Radharani's parents. And he began to collect jewels and they began to get nice gold um, ornaments. And they began to make with the gold bangles and crowns and bracelets and um, necklaces. And they began to um, place these fine, fine jewels and pearls throughout these gold ornaments. And they put them on a beautiful silver plate and sent with a royal courier this nice gift to Barasana Daan. And then they got ox carts and filled the ox carts with all the other pearls and jewels and also sent them to Barasana. So these jewels came to Barasana and in this way uh, everything was perfectly auspicious for this wedding to take place and everyone was very happy. But there was one personality who took it as her mission to stop the marriage. Purnamasi Purnamasi is the Yoga Maya personified who appears in Vrindavan and she is the topmost well-wisher to always preserve the sanctity and the beauty of Sri Sri Radha Govinda's eternal Leela now Purnamasi is considered the Shikshaguru guru of all the Brijbhasis. Nothing important is done without getting her permission and blessings. She's very senior. She's senior most of all the bosses. So when all the arrangements were being made, naturally Nanda Maharaj and Yashodamai they came to Purnamasi and said, Ah, we want to marry Radha and Krishna. We are coming for your blessings. She said, ah. She began to think. She was thinking, if Radha and Krishna get formally married, then the sweetness of Vrindavan will be spoiled. Krishna has 16,108 wives in Dwarka. This is called Swakiras. But the sweetness of conjugal love without marriage, the excitement and adventure of having another husband and still marrying. That is, that is the real beauty of Vrindavan. So, somehow or other, this marriage has to be stopped in order to preserve the mood of Braja. So she responded Huh? You want to marry Radhan Krishna? According to their astrological horoscope, it is not the right time. If they were going to get married now they would have a lot of trouble and it may not last. So therefore I think you should wait. They are still young. Let them grow older. Ah. And at that time then we can go to Matra and we can present this idea to to Gargacharya and then we can get all of their blessings. So, of course, no one can do anything without the blessings of Purnamasi, so they put the marriage on hold. And in this way, Purnamasi saved the day. (laughs) Now, how could Radharani marry anybody except Krishna? You know the story how she was married to Abhimanu. Huh? Huh? I will not go into too many details in this matter. But Abhimanyu was Krishna. You know the story when Lord Brahma stole all the cows and cowherd boys? And at that time, Krishna expanded himself as all the cowherd boys. Do you remember that? And and for one year, Krishna played the role of all the cowherd boys. At that during that year, Nanda Maharaj was approached by Krishna and said, "You know, Nanda Maharaj, I think all these gopis and brujas should be married to the cowherd boys before they get too old."
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so in this way, all the gopis got married to Krishna, huh? Directly to Krishna. And then it is explained after the year when all the original Collar boys came back,
2: <laughs> huh?
0: they all understood what was happening. And out of respect, they would never even touch their wives. They knew <laughs> that actually they're for Krishna. But still, they had that mood that they're my wife. Just in order to enhance Krishna's leela to make their... their, their loving pastimes more exciting, more adventurous, more sweet. Now at that time, Krishna expanded himself as a cowherd boy who was the um, son of Jyotila. His name was Abhimanu. Abhimanu was the incarnation of Krishna's shadow. Huh? and it was this Abhimanu that married Sri Radharani and there are so many pastimes in Vrindavan about how Krishna would do so many tricks to somehow or other steal Radharani away and it would just add that nectar of, of sweet excitement to their pastimes But actually it is said Abhimanu, although he played the role, he was Krishna himself, but in the form of the shadow, he never even touched Radharani's hand because he knew it was meant for Krishna alone. So all the Brijabhasis, they are simply consciously endeavoring to make Radha and Krishna's pastimes more pleasing. So with this background information, how can anyone say that Krishna did anything immoral? First of all, they were married by Brahma. Second of all, he expanded himself to be her husband. And third of all, the poor Namasi, protected anything from getting too officialized just to keep this special unique rasa of vrindavan parakiras there is no other abode of god that has the parakiras except vrindavan you will not find it in vaikunta or anywhere else So Krishna's lila is very inconceivable. And great philosophers, they can study the Shastras, birth after birth after birth after birth, but they'll never understand who is Krishna. It is only when we hear from the devotees that we can understand the inconceivable leela of Krishna. And even then, we can only get a trace of a comprehension of this divine leela. Bhishma himself who is the greatest of the Mahajans he is saying I cannot understand Krishna's Leela I can only accept that it is supremely glorious and I can only relish it with my heart and soul how can the infinitesimal ever understand the infinite Huh? it is beyond our power constitutionally At the most, we can have an infinitesimal comprehension of Krishna. But the glories of Krishna are only known to Him. No one else has the capacity to understand them in full except He Himself. This is the glory of God. Therefore, Bhishma is describing here how. How is it that the Pandavas, who were such wonderful devotees, who had no enemies on earth in their own hearts, they were seeing Krishna in everyone's heart. They were so compassionate and so kind. Maharaj Yudhisthira, even though Duryodhana was trying to cheat him in so many ways, Maharaj Yudhisthira was still his loving well-wisher. There's a story in the Mahabharata where Duryodhana was about to be killed and kidnapped while he was trying to insult the Pandavas. He ran into a tribe of... One time he was defeated by a Gandharva, another time a tribe of other warriors. They completely defeated him, they tied him up, they captured him and Yudhisthira Maharaj came to fight to save him. This is how forgiving and magnanimous he was. Why is it that such a person as Maharaj Yudhisthira can be banished to the forest for 14 years with nothing, losing everything, losing all his prestige, his wife, his wealth, everything? How is it possible? Why did Krishna let this happen? Bhishma says, I cannot understand Krishna in full. All I can understand is that whatever he does to his devotees is perfect and complete. Everything He does is His mercy. How is it His mercy? Maybe you can get some understanding, maybe you cannot. Don't worry about it. Don't try to intellectualize how Krishna's mercy is coming down. For one who is surrendering to Krishna, for one who is endeavoring sincerely to be His devotee, that devotee is under His internal energy. The great souls anyone who is endeavoring to serve a bona fide spiritual master is under the internal energy of the Lord. Every activity, every incident of his life is personally being orchestrated by Krishna. Why is Krishna doing this to me? What have I done? Why am I losing everything? Why am I suffering? Why are people not understanding me? You may or may not be able to understand with your rational intelligence. You'll never really understand. But if you have true devotion, then you will accept. This is beyond my rational power. I can only accept it is for the good. It is perfect and complete. It is for my purification it is the Lord's love and mercy upon me. And there's no question about it because it is the word of God and it is the word of all the great souls. One who is in the most miserable suffering conditions of life and while facing The tribulation very humble with folded palms he says thank you my dear Krishna you are very merciful I deserve so much worse but you are kindly giving me this much because I need to be purified in this way you know what's best to purify me how can we question the authority of God's will Krishna loves you and Krishna will do anything to send you back to Godhead. He will do anything to purify your heart and allow you to be his blissful, unlimitedly ecstatic servant again. Therefore, in happiness and distress, in pleasure and pain, in honor and dishonor, a devotee simply sees the loving hand of God like a doctor administrating this medicine. Therefore Bhakti Vinod Thakur prays, maro bhi rakabhi to nitya dasa prati tu My dear Lord, O oh, Divine Son of Nanda Maharaj if you want you can protect me if you want you can kill me you have every right to deal with me in any way you please because I am your servant mana so de ho ho jo kichu Nanda kishor, O divine son of Nanda Maharaj. My life, my body, my home, my family. Everything belongs to you. I am all. I am offering everything to you, my lord now you do with it as you please because I have faith I have complete trust that whatever you do is all good whatever you do is for the good of everyone especially your devotee I may understand, I may not understand but with this faith I will accept your mercy and I will be gracious and grateful in every second of my life however you want to deal with me Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said my dear Lord Krishna if you want you can embrace me if you want you can make me broken hearted you can trample upon me you have every right to deal with me any way you like because I am your servant Bhishma was laying in a bed of arrows Bhishma was laying on the battlefield for months and from his neck to the soles of his feet there were so many thousands of arrows that you could not even put your finger between any two of them Huh? can you imagine what a painful condition that was was he thinking why me I'm a Mahajan (laughs) what's the use of being a Mahajan if this is what you get No, he was thinking, ah Krishna, you are so kind. You are giving me just what I need. Every arrow is just like a kiss of love in my body. I'm so pleased to feel this. This was his faith. Now, whatever tests that God may put you through, compare that to being to laying in a bed of arrows. And Bhishma was grateful. <coughs> He was feeling great happiness because he had faith. And it is that faith that opens the doors to the spiritual world. And the spiritual world is within your own heart. So by associating with saintly persons and hearing from them submissively, That door of faith will open our heart, and then we become most fortunate because the Lord and the entire spiritual world will be revealed to you from within. So let us take very seriously the gravity of the importance of how much we need desperately to hear in the association of sadhus. There is no greater priority in our life. Because through hearing from them, we can learn how to be very simple. Simple means without ego. As soon as there's ahankar or false ego, your whole life becomes so complex and so complicated and so disturbing. But when you have no false ego, your life is very simple and happy. What is that simplicity? That you are simply willing to accept every situation of life as the kind, loving mercy of Lord Hari. Thank you very much. Hare Krishna. there any questions?
1: Yes. As Maharaj uh, said, that he is a fool man who thinks about that, uh, who thinks proud about himself that he has attained all this material prosperity like self development or he has attained all this banglows or Mercedes car or anything. He is a fool man because whatever that comes is from Krishna's will and wish. It is not we that we are doing it. From the outside way, it looks very nice, okay. But to be very much specific, I can tell about my own example. And exactly when we get any success in our life, at that point of time, we don't think that point, that okay, that Krishna has come. At that time, we become very proud of ourselves, mm. that we have achieved it.
2: Mm.
1: Afterwards, due to association or somewhere or other, <laughs> we feel that okay, everything is at like Krishna. But during that point of time, we feel that we have done it. Mm. Now, how to see to it that at that point of time, we feel that it is Krishna who has done it, and not we have done it? because at that time ego comes in our mind but after sometimes okay by association we might be on a proper level how to see to it that we come at that time when we get the success we feel it that okay that is the Krishna who has done it that
0: comes through conditioning the reason why our tendency is to immediately become proud when we are successful that is due to conditioning to think I am the doer Huh? You have been thinking like this for many births. So even though with your intelligence you know better, the conditioning is very strong and deeply rooted in your heart. So therefore, through the association of saintly persons, we have a higher intelligence. Through chanting the holy name and following spiritual disciplines, we recondition ourselves to seeing Krishna as the doer. And gradually, it is not all of a sudden that this takes place. First of all, you have to as an austerity as soon as you understand that you're fool number one you have to admit it and you have to combat it as soon as you understand it therefore you have to have regular association with saintly persons otherwise you'll never understand it. so you have to take shelter of that association and you have to constantly be battling your mind against this false ego and gradually through this process of chanting the holy names and associating with saintly persons we recondition ourselves. And then by reconditioning ourselves, it becomes our natural. It is the nature of the soul to see Krishna behind everything. It is the nature of the soul to be more humble than a blade of grass. We simply have to purify through the process of devotional service this deadly enemy of pride from our heart.
1: Sometimes we see to it that when we require the association of devotees, when we require the most, at that time the circumstances are such so that we don't get this association. How to see to it that when we require the most, we get the best association?
0: If you are sincere, Krishna will arrange. You have the books, you have the holy name. Huh? This is also association. If you are sincere, you can also remember the words of the great souls. Huh? But whenever the opportunity comes you should also sit at their feet. But through their instructions they are always present.
1: <coughs> well, it is mentioned in the scriptures that Guru is a king or ordinary, ordinary person rich or poor person or maybe all the devotees or his students
2: in the same place. So, how is that the Guru like Dronacharya has asked a thumb of his student of A club here as a Guru Dakshina, and he didn't ask, which he could have asked from Mm -hmm. his uh, students like uh, Pandwas or Taubis?
0: For several reasons. One, is Drona knew that Krishna wanted Arjuna to be glorified as the greatest warrior. Because Arjuna was not only the best pupil of Drona, but he was also the best friend of Krishna. And Krishna wanted Arjuna to be celebrated as the greatest. So Drona was also a very great devotee. So, in order to make this possible, he had to preserve Arjuna's supreme position by taking the power away from Arjuna's greatest competitor. <clears throat> Two, his Ekalavya was lowborn, he was not a Kshatriya. Even though he was the greatest archer, his name and fame would never have been great because of his particular birth. Huh? Therefore, Drona understood that Ekalavya was such a dear and devoted servant that he wanted Ekalavya to be famous and loved throughout history. He wouldn't have been famous and loved throughout history just because he was the greatest archer. Arjuna was famous and loved throughout history not because he was the greatest archer but because he was the greatest devotee. Now, in so many other times in history there were great archers, correct? How many do you remember? But Nobody remembers a great archer. But people remember great devotees. So therefore, Drona wanted Ekalavya to be famous for his devotion. And therefore... By telling him to cut off his thumb as Guru Dakshin for him what was the sacrifice of love he was offering to his Guru? His whole life practically 24 hours a day he gave up eating and sleeping simply to learn how to be an archer and he was worshipping his Guru Maharaj in so many ways for that purpose alone he practiced more than anybody else his life was dedicated only for that. And by his great endeavor and by the mercy of Drona, he became the greatest archer on earth. Now, can you imagine you work your whole life for something and then to please your guru, he tells you, give it up forever. Huh? That's what he did. Drona told him, you worked your whole life to be the greatest archer. Now, you want to give me dakshin cut off your thumb which means you'll never be able to to use your bow and arrow again ever everything you've given your life for sacrifice it for my pleasure can an ordinary man do that only one who is purely surrendered on the highest platform to his spiritual master only such a person can do that and Ekalavya without even questioning practically, he cut off his thumb, he sacrificed the only thing he had on earth. His ability as an archer. And he placed that thumb at the feet of Drona. And because of that story, ekalavya to this day is known to all and loved and people cry when they hear this story how much love, how much surrender how much sacrifice this great soul had for his spiritual master huh? isn't that far deeper than being a great archer so because Ekalavya was such a dear disciple to Drona who surrendered everything, Drona wanted to make him famous throughout the world he wanted him to he wanted him to preach a high standard of devotion. He wanted him to preach for all humanity the real meaning of a disciple. And therefore he put him in this most exalted position.
2: <coughs>
0: huh? This was Dronacharya's love for Ekalavya. Is there any other questions? All right. Yes?
1: Uh, Can we consider Dronacharya as a spiritual master?
0: (coughs) He was accepted by Arjuna as a spiritual master, but for fighting. He was a martial spiritual master in that sense. He was a martial master. But in those days, you. the Pandavas, they would treat their guru for fighting the same way as they would treat their spiritual master, with great devotion, respect, they would inquire submissively, they would render service. But
1: never gave spiritual spiritual what I'm
0: saying is, technically he was not a spiritual master, he was their martial master. But they would approach him in the same way as a Master.
2: In other words, did, he did
0: not, did not the Pandavas offer Dakshin to Drona? After Drona trained them, he said, "I want you to kidnap King Drupada and I want you to take over his kingdom as Dakshin." And they did it. So the relationship in those days, for a Kshatriya, to learn martial, for martial arts from a from a guru in that line, it was the same as the way they would approach a spiritual master. They would inquire submissively, they would render service. He was their master. So this is the example of how a disciple should should surrender to the master in the relationship between Drona um, and Ekavarya. In other words Maharaj, did he uh, reach the perfection? Did he
1: achieve the perfection? in a spiritual sense
0: you have to understand that these are not ordinary living beings in the Mahabharata (coughs) he attained a unique position in the history of the scripture of Mahabharata none of these personalities that we're reading about in Mahabharata are ordinary souls. They are special, empowered servants of the Lord. It does not describe that he attained prema-bhakti, pure devotion, through this act, but he did attain the perfection of sacrificing his life to his master. Huh? And therefore, that same sentiment of sacrifice should be understood in our relationship with our spiritual master. The Mahabharata was staged by Krishna. He purposely staged this great personality to be in this position to teach us a lesson. Of the amount of surrender and sacrifice a disciple should be willing to offer to his Guru Maharaj. But Mahabharata is not dealing generally with pure devotional service. Try to understand our spiritual master did not think Mahabharata to be that important for us to read because it mostly deals with artha, kama dhamma, and moksha. It mostly deals with economic development, sense gratification, liberation, and religiosity. There's only a few places in the Mahabharata which really stresses pure devotion to God. Shrimad bhagavatam is the most important because it exclusively deals with that alone. So many of these stories are based on sub principles. Therefore, if you hear them from a spiritual, bona fide spiritual master, even these stories which are based on subreligious principles, you can understand the essence of it and apply it to pure devotional service.
2: Huh?